Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is September 20th, 2022. And this is another edition of the MSP Initiative Live. It is a Tuesday, and we are well underway into the fall season, at least in this part of the world. And uh, lots of stuff going on in technology land. No special guests today, so we're just going to kind of talk about current events. And for anyone that joins the show live, you'll be able to jump in and chat a little bit radio style, uh, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. So as usual, the first thing we do in any of these is kind of go over some housekeeping. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. So mspinitiative.com here under sessions, this and every other session we've ever done since March of 2020 uh, will be available in podcast and video format. So you can rewind, fast forward, Come back and call us out on the carpet because it's all recorded and, you know, hold us accountable. Uh, <laughs> we'll be doing some giveaways with our some of our vendor sponsors. Um, they should be announced shortly. Uh, basically, we'll run now between the end of the year, some cool prizes uh, that are going on. Uh, we have our three MSP community block parties, one which is already done. So if you, you know, missed the, uh, the event in D.C. around DattoCon, uh, we posted all of our pictures. Um, and uh, soon to be videos on the MSP Initiative Facebook page. You'll see an album uh, that kind of you know gives you some of uh, an idea of what happened that night. But it was cool that we were able to take over an entire stadium. And uh, hopefully we uh, we have an opportunity to do it in the future. It definitely comes with its own challenges, but uh, totally has the cool factor. We have one coming up tomorrow in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, I don't know if you've heard of Taylor Business Group and the Big Big. But if you actually just Google that Taylor Business Group or just go to taylorbusinessgroup.com slash big big, they have an MSP centric event in Fort Lauderdale at the Diplomat Beach Resort. This is at the scene of the last Autotask Community Live for Dado and Autotask merged. Um, so we are actually throwing an MSP community boat party uh, down the intercoastal in uh, Fort Lauderdale. So um, if you're at the event uh, or you're in the area, you're an MSP, um, definitely uh, join us. Um, so that is the second one. The third one is coming up here on November 9th. So if you're going to be in Orlando or you happen to be uh, in the area or within driving distance or already going to a conference in Orlando that week, we are throwing the last MSP community block party of the year. And you can hear our music's already playing in the background. We are flying in the All-American Rejects uh, to do a private concert for the MSP community as well as, you know, some other festivities so November 9th, Icon Park, uh, join us. It's going to be a good time, and uh, we're really excited for it. Uh, lastly is the Channel Strong Tours. We have three weeks left of these. This is where we come into, you know, literally uh, MSPs host us in their parking lots, bring in a tour bus, band tour bus, and we kind of set up shop in the parking lot and uh, for, you know, two to six each day. Uh, so this is good to learn from other MSPs in your area. Uh, don't have to hopefully jump on a train plane. Uh, or boat, uh, you can just jump in your car and drive on over, take an Uber, take a scooter, but be safe. Uh, so we have Denver, Tulsa, Topeka, St. Louis, September 23rd through, uh, through September 30th. Uh, in October 17th through October 21st, we have uh, Vegas, Phoenix, San Diego, Irvine. And then lastly, we have November 28th through December 2nd, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Orlando, Atlanta. So those are all our announcements. Lots going on between now and the end of the year. Uh, just a special shout out to um, Paco and Rick who put on TechCon 
Unplugged in Chicago this past weekend. I was able to attend that and uh, it was nice to be able to, you know, get a more smaller, uh, inclusive event uh, that, um, you know, really kind of maybe broke out of normal breakout session mode and got into the weeds, which was really nice. So uh, shout out to them. Uh, I think there was like maybe 50 to 60 people there that attended. Uh, it was a good event. I enjoyed it. Um, got myself a Chicago hot dog. Need to go back and get some, apparently not deep dish pizza, but flat pizza, not flat bread, but flat pizza, uh, which apparently is what the Chicago natives eat. And uh, I just need to get into the mix and, you know, follow down the beaten path. So with all that being said, those are all of our announcements. Lots going on. Uh, I'm still recovering from uh, a combination of Dado, uh, this event uh, that we did in Chicago at TechCon, and then, you know, tomorrow back out on the plane again uh, to go down to the big, big. Uh, conference. And then I kind of snuck in an Eagle season opener here in Philadelphia. Uh, so if you watch Monday Night Football, I know there was two games. So congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but my my Philadelphia Eagles, and if you're in Philadelphia Eagles fan, I think you're pretty happy today, did pretty, pretty good. So uh, no special speaker today. Just figured I'd go over a couple of current events. Uh, again, anybody who's on the call uh, who can be uh, unmuted, you can always jump in and talk shop and and give us your opinion on what you think's happening in in the the day to day but i have you know picked out some stuff that i kind of saw popped up uh in the feed and figured to be worth going over so uh <laughs> here's a here's your like to the bumper music for all american rejects thanks bruce appreciate that buddy i hope you come i'd love you to hear him live because you know everybody knows their if you, if you listen to the radio i'm sure you've You've heard their stuff. Um, so some some current events that I thought were worth going over. Um, again, you know, kind of see these come into the feeds and um, flag them as things go on. And, you know, now's a good time to bring them up. Uh, so, of course, we had kind of post DadoCon uh, feedback, right? You know, like what's going on and uh, why, you know, what did people get out of DadoCon and what were the big things to take away? Uh, I was definitely there. I, I heard the big Fred. Um, keynote right which is kind of you know what's the future right i think a lot of people went to datacon to really get an idea of um of what was going on now we talked a little bit about this earlier so um you know of course you know say saying they're going to spend a lot more investment into dato uh i mentioned uh in a podcast earlier that um you know they feel like it costs them $20 million a year to keep all of these uh, maybe overlapping products updated and, and keep them going versus what they feel is a $500 million a year loss if they were to shut products down and try and force people onto other products. So their, their view of the world is keep all the lights on, keep everything going, even though that there's a cost to do so. So they came out and said, hey, we're lowering prices. Um you know, they, they write, put in here where they're not forcing three, five, seven-year contracts. They said they are lowering prices on average 15%. I mean, we'll see, right? But uh, if you're a data partner, you'll obviously be paying attention to the pricing. Um, you know, in, in this slide, they're saying, hey, you know, we're, we're making more investments in here. We're, we're, we're learning some of the stuff that Datto did well and, and trying to build on top of that. Uh, so there's more money coming into that mix. Um, they feel that small, medium business is where there's massive growth in the market uh, versus like, you know, the fortune, you know, and, and larger companies out there. Um, so they think that there's a huge upside that's 
you know, currently not being handled by the, the MSP community as it stands today, which means that there's more business out there. And so that's why they made the investment. Um, talking a lot here about co-managed and how, you know, basically, you know, as things happened, and we talk about this from time to time with the economy, as the economy switches into a downturn, it's like a open field for MSPs because the IT departments end up getting shrunken, although the technology burden is still there, which means, you know, MSPs in a co-managed way can step in and try and help uh, grow in that way. Um, so that was one of the big things uh, that they touched on, especially with some of the things these IT departments just don't have time uh, to do. Uh, they think the, the MSP sector is, I'm not going to say uh, recession proof, but they think that it's hot and it's going to continue to be hot, even though the economy uh, may be pointing in the other way. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we always say that there's some sort of buffer um, when things happen on the street versus what MSPs feel sometimes six months, eight months a year. Uh, but we see a lot of technology, more SaaS you know, companies laying people off that are venture back, private equity back. Uh, so I wonder how that continues into MSP land, but you know, they have it here in, in print, white hot. I guess we should all feel good that there's plenty of business out there. Uh, the rest of these real quick. I know it's kind of getting stuck here. Let's see if I can just, oh, there it is. Um, they're saying competition uh, is heating up, right? That basically more and more people who are going out to shop for IT services are running into multiple um, MSPs versus what would they were seeing even five or six years ago. Um, and then basically, you know, there's just more competition out there. And so you have to get a little bit more sophisticated. Um, but they are saying that they're, you know, they're seeing a noticeable increase in dedicated sales and marketing resources. Whereas before they only saw a certain amount, they're seeing growth there and they feel that that's important uh, because MSPs generally have problems in those areas and they feel that that's a good sign that things are maturing in the right way. Um, definitely talking about labor. This was a big part of their, you know, their, their conversation. How much does it cost you to source the right people? And then how much of that time is being spent managing multiple vendor, multiple vendor relationships? And this was a little bit of the data pitch, right? You know, that or data could say a pitch that, hey, we're taking 17 different, you know, line items in your stack and we're, we're making it one vendor, one bill. Um, so take that for what it's worth. But they're saying that you should be able to save time so that you don't need as much personnel because it's very difficult to find the right people. Um, a lot of security conversation and that technicians aren't, they're too, they're too spread out across multiple things that they're doing every day that they're not, you know, experts in any one area. Um, and this is part of the, hey, you know, you're, if you take on too much, you know, internally, you just don't have enough time to do anything very well. Um, so there was this part of the conversation about balancing. The last one on this slide is, hey, <laughs> um, you know, cut, cut, out the, cut out the time, you know, using the different technologies I kind of mentioned it earlier and use that to your time benefit. So some of this stuff does have some, you know, reality to it. Some of it is a little bit of marketing. Some of it's a little bit of the business pitch, you know, of what this consolidation effort is on the Kaseya side. I don't know if anyone on the call was at DatoCon and heard this live uh, that's on the call, but more than welcome to take what you think your feedback was from, from anything you heard coming out of DatoCon. Crickets. So we're all just waiting to see what's coming out of there. 
rightfully so. So I'm going to skip over to the next thing. Uh, I thought this was interesting, right? Glassdoor, right? The one-way street where, you know, disgruntled employees <laughs> post things about their employer. But apparently at some point, good people uh, write good things. And so I thought this was interesting. So here, you know, I don't know if there's any surprise here, right? Even though all these companies seem to be laying off right now. But millennials are saying, uh, or Gen Z is saying, Microsoft's one of the high-rated companies, uh, followed by Google. I guess, should we be surprised by these results? Uh, followed by IBM. <laughs> um, these are companies that, that these people want to work for. Uh, MondoDB, um, Procure Technologies. Let's see, I'm just speeding through these. I just thought it was interesting that they actually went back and pulled these stats. NVIDIA, of course, all these people leave school, service now, and pick up jobs with the big guys. HubSpot out of Boston, please HubSpot. LinkedIn, currently owned by Microsoft, and a company called SmartSheet. So guess somebody does read these Glassdoor reviews and then makes a slideshow about it. Moving on. Um, so this isn't, this one's actually interesting. So all the distributors started advertising this, right? Uh, you know, basically Microsoft's rolled out GDAP, right? Which is like a different way for partners to securely access all of their downstream customer 365 environments, tenants. And so they rolled out this new security thing saying, Hey, by the end of the year, we, we need everybody on this. Right. So you know, start deploying it now. <laughs> and then surprise, surprise, they they delayed that. Um, I guess interesting things always come out of Microsoft and they always get delayed. But uh, basically, if you haven't looked at this, uh, granular delegated administrative pr uh, privileges uh, where every tech in your company is has a user account rather than sharing an admin account, right? Because you're trying, trying to like progress the security posture. Um, and basically what they're saying is, Hey, you need to go in and you need to actually activate this and just stop accessing things, you know, manually. Right. So, um, there, you know, do some homework on this. There's some, there's some, you know, they have a bulk migration tool link here, but there's definitely some information out there on this it's supposed to be, you know, something that all Microsoft partners should be deploying. Of course it's been delayed, but, uh, that doesn't mean that this isn't a good way to handle security moving forward. Because, uh, you know, last thing you want to do is be the, the weakest link or chain in the link. Um, last week, there was a Zoom outage. I don't know if anybody noticed that. <laughs> we were still about to get our, our Zoom session off. But uh, apparently, there were a uh, pretty, pretty big chunk of Zoom customers uh, that couldn't use the platform. That included both the web meeting, phone, um, the whole thing, right? So, of course, you know. As everybody kind of tries to centralize their stuff on these platforms, yeah, this is this is the, the reality, right? Nobody's no, immune. No, it, it looks a lot like that was a predominantly East Coast thing, didn't? The, like the first message say it happened at ten thirty uh, Eastern time. Well, that's seven thirty Pacific time, and heck, nobody over here in the Pacific is is doing anything at that time. <laughs> well, I mean, keep keep in keep in <laughs> keep in mind. Uh, actually, here's a trivia question for you. Um, what percentage, I'm going to give you two questions there. What percentage of the United States lives in between Northern Virginia, Boston, and Pittsburgh? I will, granted, this was a pre-pandemic percentage that I'm going to throw out there because I know people are moving southward in a lot of cases. 
But what do you think the percentage of the entire U.S. population lives in that Northeast Triangle? I don't know. Let's say a third. Okay. So what, 33%? Yep. All right. How about 41%? And I think that almost 80% of the population lives in between the Atlantic Ocean and the uh, the Mississippi River. So I don't know why, you know, I mean, we could go back in how the states were made. I know the History Channel runs that pretty cool show, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it is what it is, right? So bottom line is a lot of people use Zoom for their phone system. A lot of people use Zoom for their meeting, web meeting system, you know, obviously webinars, stuff like that. I mean, when these big guys go down and they're all affected, right? Microsoft has their problems. Slack has their problems. Everybody runs into an issue at one point or another. Uh, there's no uh, silver bullet, but there it is. Keep that in your back pocket if everybody asks, well, we're just going to do Zoom for everything. Well, what's your yeah. DR strategy when Zoom goes down? Yeah, just, just this morning in the bathroom, I noticed that uh, Teams has got a big uh, a big black mark on some security thing that that they're not doing. Yes, that was actually one of the things that um, that came out last week. There, uh, the credentials are sa saved in clear text, in clear text underneath yep. of the applications for Windows, Mac, and uh, Linux-based. Uh, I'm surprised who's using Linux-based Teams, but yeah, that's a boo-boo. And I think Teams has kind of been, you know, you know, lipstick a little bit <laughs> over the last couple of years. Like they haven't really rebuilt it into what it probably should have been. They just kept on bolting on things in order to kind of compete with the pandemic, you know, everybody working remote, but it means I have to go back and fix it. Uh, Cause that could be, that could be a, that could be a problem. Uh, this one, ah, funny enough, it seems like, Hey, by the way, we, we announced this deal with five, nine, we terminated it. And now we're competing with our own solution. Uh, so I thought, I thought, yeah, I figured one zoom article and another kind of fit together. Um, so again, <laughs> You know, when you're when you're relying on these big guys, right? You know, they're not perfect either, but apparently they're playing in contact center land as well. And there it is. So this one's interesting. So we know NCE, right? It's like, you know, don't talk about it. It's a bad thing. But um, in order to incentivize people, Microsoft's lost, uh, launched some discount and upgrade programs. So they're, they're giving a 16% discount valid until June 30th of 2023 uh, for new customers to Microsoft 365 and existing customers who want to upgrade to a higher tier. Um, so 16.7% discount. Uh, I don't, I didn't get deep enough into, so it says valid plans are business basic, business standard, business premium. Discount does not work on legacy subscriptions. Okay, so those are the ones that were indefinitely put on hold, right? You know, for people who didn't migrate to NCE. Um, I'm wondering if that discount applies to the monthly options. Okay, 20% premium. Well, we know about that, right? Customers buy annual, hook for paying the rest of the contract. We know this. So the discount, right? Discount ends for customers on first month anniversary date after June 30th. So this is a limited discount, right? So basically it's from whatever June 30th until the renewal date of that subscription is. So that probably means that it's not gonna be applied for the month to month option, right? It's gonna be applied to the either one year or three year options is my guess. But hey, it's a discount nonetheless. Now you know about it, right? 
16.7% discount. Um, and and is, that, is that discount just for the first year or is it? It doesn't even look like it's a full year. It's in between June 30th and whenever the one year renewal comes up. Okay. So it's like a part, it's like a, a band-aid, I feel like. But um, it's like a GoDaddy tease, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said it, not me. So um, yeah, I mean, obviously there are a lot of people that never that had legacy subscriptions that waited to the last second and then they didn't have to deal with this 20% increase, but at some point, in order to do new stuff, you got to go under the new. You got to go under the new, and I guess this is a limited time discount. Well, nice to know it's out there. Uh, I'm going to jump over this one because this one's pretty big. Um, another company, Twilio. You've all probably heard this name one way or another. It's 11% work work uh, workforce layoff. Once again, big companies <laughs> are not um, immune to the economy issues. So that's eight, roughly 850 employees. Um, it's a lot so, of so ed educate me a bit on this. I, I mean, I, I continue to hear, you know, from all the industry things about all of the different jobs. Yet I also see all these things where people are getting fired. Is is um, am I missing something? Is is this a bit contradictory? What 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 am I missing here? Well, I mean, big picture, um, when the economy does not you know, it goes in the wrong direction, the private equity and venture capital people out there uh, who make all these investments across all these companies and Twilio is no different, right? Uh, they're actually publicly traded in this case, but basically what they have to do is they have to start reducing headcount because usually your employees are your most expensive business expense. And especially like going on the one side, right? On the private equity venture capital people, you know, when their interest rates start going up, and they, can't, and they start to realize that they can't release pockets of money to their downstream investments, they go back to those people and say, instead of showing us rapid growth and we don't care about the bottom line, they flip the script and say, you now need to show us you know, cash flow positivity, which in a lot of these cases, these, start, these companies who get outside funding are running in the red, right? They're just growing at all costs regard, you know, just and trying to burn through the money to actually get to the highest possible you know, uh, growth rate. Uh, but then reality sets in, right? And like when they get these, you know, kind of investor calls saying, hey, you need to cut X percent of your headcount in order to show profitability or in order to, order to show, you know, be in the black, if you would, um, you know, on your own, that flips the script a lot, right? And that, you know, a lot of these guys do a lot of hiring because they have the money. But then obviously those are the first things, you know, the people get that get cut when they have to flip the other way. So um, from about, maybe 90 days ago-ish, like beginning to midsummer until now, there's been hundreds of companies in the technology space that have had to cut uh, headcount uh, because they have to flip their numbers around. Uh, so um, obviously, you know, with shareholders, right? They, you know, when you're a publicly traded company, you have to actually go and say, hey, here's our forecast, right? Here's where we think we're going to be this year. And, you know, here's where our numbers are. And when the economy flips and they don't have a plan for it, the first thing they need to do is start cutting costs in order to kind of true up their math. So, you know, unfortunately, employees are the biggest, like I said, one of the biggest expenses to any business. Uh, so, you know, in this case, it was only 11%, but I'll admit, I didn't realize 11% only meant 850 employees. So Twilio obviously has a way more employees than I thought, but um, yeah, that's still a lot of employees. 
Does that answer your question there, Brett? Yeah, you know, so give me your 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 <clears throat> your business expertise here, you know, since I, I know that you've got the crystal ball in your pocket there. What tell me what is a better is it a good business way to go through and to, to run crazy in the red for things, or should you always be making sure that you are in the black? Is, is there something to be said for taking that, that risk um, for a business or does it make more sense to always be, you know, a little bit cautious, always make sure that, that you're a little bit covered. You, you're the businessman or whatnot. I want to know what your personal opinion is on, on doing. Well, on, I mean, I, think, I think every business is structured a little bit differently, right? And as somebody who's running an IT services managed services company, uh, yeah, you should be very careful about uh, your bottom line because generally speaking, that's how you're valued, right? Uh, so if somebody, if you were to go to an outside party right now, let's say you weren't even interested in selling your company. Let's say you were borrowing money maybe. And the bank's like, well, I need to understand more about your business. I need to understand what you're doing. I need to understand how much money you make, who your customers, this, that, and the other. And you bring in an outside company like Reed Warren, for example, from IT Valuations. I know we have him on from time to time. Um, he'll come in and say, all right, well, your business as an IT service managed services provider is based on net, not gross, right? So your net is very important because that's how they start to determine from that number, what your valuation is. It's usually a multiple of that. Um, the diff it's different in uh, software as a service or uh, subscription-based businesses where you know, their multiple for the, uh, the long haul has been based on their gross, right? Whatever their top line reoccurring revenue is. So completely different math, okay? Uh, I don't disagree with you that you should run your business to be profitable. You shouldn't be running your business to be in the red. And um, because at some point the bill does come due. And if there's no outside money person pumping money into your business as an investor or partner, then, you know, <laughs> that you'll, you'll end up in a bad place. So 100% agree with you on that front. And, you know, there is things that you can do as a managing IT services provider to um, benefit your valuation, right? Uh, less hardware sales, less one-off project work, try and do everything under a reoccurring uh, you know, business offering, right? And that way you get closer towards a higher valuation because it's you know predictable reoccurring revenue versus one-time revenue or project-based revenue, which you have to continuously rebuild with new customers or new projects over and over again. Same can be said for hardware sales or you know, one-off, you know, kind of you know, things that you buy through distribution and just put a markup on and send it out there. So all that being said, yeah, I mean, there are companies in the space who uh, are face companies, I call it, who basically have a venture capital you know, company or private equity company come in, acquire that MSP, and then start acquiring other MSPs and putting them underneath of that. Um, and, you know, this is not just exclusive to the MSP space. You see this in medical, you see this in a lot of other industries where, you know, you get a group of companies, right? Let's say I got a group of 20 physical therapy companies and I put a rubber band around them. And now the total value of all of those companies viewed as one block is a lot different than 20 of those individual companies lined up separately. Um, so the kind of, it's the same game kind of being played in MSP land, but again, 
<laughs> when you have an outside money person or money company coming in, the game is a little bit different when you're operating as that you know group of companies versus uh, an individual company. I know Reed came on, it's probably been about two or three months now, but basically like imagine if you were in a peer group and you took three or four or even two companies, two MSPs, put a rubber band around them and you, you, you built a larger company. The valuation of the larger company ha- you know, will, will be higher than individual businesses. And so generally speaking, my best advice to you, Brent, and, and, and again, agreeing with a lot of what you're saying is uh, run, you know, they say run as if you're going to sell your business, even if you have no plans of doing so, which means that you're watching your math, you're lean, and you're being wise about where you're spending your money so that, you know, you know, you're cash flow positive, your net is growing. They say best in class is 20% growth net annually or above. Um, so if you can reach those types of numbers, you're doing very well uh, in, in IT and MSP land. So uh, that's my best advice to you. Um, and, and as a person who's running private businesses, I mean, the economy does affect how you decide things, right? And ha- whether you hire or fire more, you know, or add or remove staff, whether you're, you know, taking risk in terms of bringing on certain types of customers where you, you know, may want to be a little bit more conservative, you know, where you're not fronting a lot of stuff uh, out of your own, you know, bank account versus shifting that to third parties. I know a lot of companies do hardware as a service, right? And they're bankrolling that out of their cash flow instead of pushing it to an outside company who does that on your behalf so that you're not fronting money, stuff like that, right? Um, these are the types of things that you want to watch out for generally. Uh, but Brent, yeah, I, I mean, I would say unless you're, um, you know, unless you got somebody coming in saying, hey, uh, I'm going to invest X amount of money and, you know, to, to buy a part of the business, this is the game plan. Uh, I need to get to this dollar or this, you know, you know, sales amount or growth amount in order to hit the number that I need in order to make this worthwhile. Usually there's some sort of string attached to that plan. Uh, And then all plans change, right? When, you know, you came in thinking, you know, the economy was red hot, like what, you know, the people over at Kaseya said, hey, we're in a recession, but MSPs are red hot. Okay, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that I should just be, you know, taking very, um, you know, big risks in how I run my business. You know, I know a lot of people always say, Brent, Hey, it's not. It's a luxury when you can, you know, basically be selective with your clientele. When you're first starting, a lot of people, you know, just take anything in order to just start building revenue because they got to pay the bills. Especially people that left internal IT or corporate America and started MSPs, stuff like that. But when you start to mature your company and you start to grow and you actually have revenue base there, you know what a good customer is and what a bad customer is, right? Like you know, a bad customer is somebody that doesn't take any advice. Duct tape, duct tape, duct tape. Wait till the thing burns out and there's you know, smoke coming out of the back of the thing before they go and, and, and do something about it. That's a bad customer, right? I don't think anybody will argue that they don't want to drop everything they're doing to go deal with that over and over again. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. You just want to reduce the, time, the amount where it can versus somebody who's like, hey, listen, tell me what I need. I want to, be, I want to make sure that the car is running. I don't want to be on the side of the road waiting for the tow truck. That means I have to maintenance my stuff on a regular basis. I have to replace stuff. I have to keep up with stuff. Whatever that is, put me on the program so that I don't have to worry about it. Check the box, run my business. So like, you know what's a good good customer and you know what's a bad customer. I would say that as businesses mature, they become very, very selective and not taking anybody off the street as a customer because there's risk involved, right? And you don't want the noisier customer if you can help it. Tell me if I'm wrong, Brent. 
Yeah, you, you know what? I've I. Okay, here here we go. I'm going to admit some of the mistakes that I've made. You know, and even fairly recently, I had an opportunity to work with a large outfit who. You know, you stop and you look at them and you figure, I mean, these guys got to be spending $5 million a year in rent, just rent, you know, let alone what their employee costs are and stuff like that. And I I, I couldn't get them to find a value in backup, (laughs) you know, no kidding. I talked to one of the guys who was running the business and I said, dude, you you, you know, you're still on a 10-100 switch, right? And he looks me in the eye and he says, I don't need to go fast. Why do I need to go fast? And and and, and I stopped and I thought to myself. <laughs> I what, think I'm backing away I, from that how, one. How do I answer that? How, how do I come back from that? However, I also, I have these fantasies that I'm going to rescue them from this mentality of insanity. And I'm going to bring them up into the current uh, you know, standards of things, you, you know, and, and whatnot. And af- after a few months of, of doing that and continuing to, to not make the revenue that I needed to make from, from the people, I, I kind of realized that now I know why they are in the position that they're in. There, there's, uh, you, two, you know? there's, there's two general areas where I see anybody in IT MSP land get themselves in trouble. One, taking on clients that you absolutely know are bad clients just because you know, you're stuck and you need the revenue and that, you know, when you, when it's all said and done and you look at the math and you, you evaluate your time investment in that customer versus what you're generating in revenue. If you're, you know, if you're break even or upside down, you, you, you might as well have not taken the customer on at all. So that's number one. The other time I see MSPs get themselves into trouble is by, oh, I call it punching above their weight. Okay. So if you're generally dealing with, I don't know, between 30 and 75 employee companies. And along comes along a 200 person company that's bigger than anything you've ever dealt with before. It's a different animal. You know, like you're going to have to do a day to, your day-to-day with that one account is gonna be completely, completely different than everybody else that you're dealing with. And you're just not configured properly and prepared to do that. And that's what, but, but the, the dollar amount looks great, right? So everybody's like super excited to take on that really big customer. Uh, but unfortunately it comes with a lot of headaches. So um, those are the two areas where uh, you're like hundred percent going to have problems. I've seen it over and over again and uh, people don't realize it until they're into it. I mean, the third way people always get into trouble, especially um, when the economy's not doing great and everybody's washing their pennies, and I'm not saying do this, but the people that do do it is they start to cut corners, right? <laughs> the stuff that they say that they're delivering, they're not kind really delivering, or you know, they just barely installed the application to do that checkbox for that line item that you bundled your services together, but like you're not actively doing that piece. And as you're a not result, actively managing it, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you know, kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, and that's when you get yourself into trouble. So. Um, those three areas, right, are where things usually go badly. But back to your original question, Brent. Um, no, if you have no reason to <laughs> spend uh, spend crazily and hire people uh, like you, you know, they're you know, you, you're you're going out of style, I guess. Um, don't do that. Run your business lean and uh, be as cash flow positive as possible. And uh, I'm not saying you know, spend money. Uh, in in uh, areas that you don't need to unnecessarily, but there's just certain areas where you wouldn't overspend 
you know, because you're trying to be um, conservative with the way that you're building your business. That being said, sales and marketing uh, um, haven't, you know, it's not a new story, but it won't be, it'll never go away, right? Uh, one of the things that we mentioned in Fred's uh, presentation there was, you know, they're seeing more dedicated resources for sales and marketing now in MSPs than they did four or five years ago. True. I think the message after 20 years has finally started to set in that you can't just, you know, wait for a referral or, you know, go door to door looking for business. Like you have to change the way that you're, you know, prospecting and generating new clientele out there. Uh, however, um, there needs to be a plan and just spending a whole bunch of money on AdWords, for example, is not the answer. <laughs> there needs to be some sort of plan. And I would say the biggest problem people have on the sales and marketing front, Brent, not that you asked, but since we're talking about, you know, how should I run my business is if you spend all this time finding an outside company or start, you know, going down the sales marketing end to generate new clientele, number one, it doesn't happen overnight. So don't expect it to, no matter how much money you spend. And number two, you have to have a follow-up plan. Just getting people to interact, you need to then take it the rest of the way to see if that's a good fit, to figure out what these customers are doing, to figure out if you know there's a you know you can you can provide them services that they need at the right price. And like that part is where I've seen so many people die on the vine or fail is that they have a marketing prod, you know, plan, they put it into place, they have an outside company, they spend a lot of money with put into place, they generate these leads, but then they're not actively followed up with. And, and that's where you're just burning time and money. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the challenge. But sales and marketing is never going away. I just think you need to do it uh, intelligently and with a plan and work backwards from how much business you can handle versus just waiting for them to show up and hoping that you can figure it out sorry for going on a rant there but great 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 advice great advice yeah i i wish i wish people i mean i learned a lot about this industry from other people in the industry right i mean yeah i went to the conferences and i went to the trade shows i went to the breakout sessions and there's some value there but like learning from the people sitting next to you that are doing the same thing with that you're doing you know hopefully not right next door uh maybe in another city or another state or another country for that matter but like you learn from you know, what other people are doing and what's working, what's not. And I can't stress that enough. You know, if there's MSPs out there still thinking everybody's your competitor, then you need to break that idea and you need to go out there and learn from people because uh, they're out there, right? There is a greater MSP community, despite what people think. And uh, they are willing to share, but you do need to actually get in there and uh, communicate a little bit, which I know for some people is problematic. A um, couple of other news stories that are worth mentioning. Uh, so no before, right? This uh, security education platform. Um, so they got a $4 billion takeover offer from Vista Equity Partners. Who, who remembers this name? Anyone? No. Who are they? Uh, so Vista Equity Partners is the company that originally invested in Autotask, then merged Datto and Autotask. <laughs> and oh, really? they were the largest shareholder until Kaseya. Uh, Kaseya bought them for 6.2 billion, them being data. Uh, so another PE firm uh, or VC company that's really VC company, not PE firm, uh, that's in the software space. So no before, uh, again, based out of Tampa, which seems to be a hotbed for technology businesses in the sandbox, I call it. I know no before has maybe been more of an enterprise play, right? Uh, for security awareness training, uh, simulated phishing, stuff like that. But uh, there you go. 
These guys are always out there. They're another one so, out there. So is, is this what they did with all the money that they got from their, uh, the data acquisition? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things that they're, they're doing right now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're looking, they're probably going on the wall street, just to guess. I don't know. They're probably going on the wall street and finding underperforming companies that are publicly traded. And then they're taking them private. And then they basically try and grow the valuation of that company. And then either go back to a publicly traded company again, or they, they sell it to another, another company. That's usually what we see historically. Uh, but here you go. 1600 employees, uh, 40% of its revenues are from the channel. Um, there you go. So these guys are still going out there and doing big, 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 big deals, despite the, it's not the economy is incentivizing them, I think. You know, something I've kind of discovered too is that, you know, a lot of times you always think that when somebody gets acquired, it's because of their products and stuff like that, 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 that the, the company has, you know, and, and I've, I've heard of many times when it's not really the products that they're looking for, it's the assets that the company has. Oh, they've got this huge pool of engineers or, or, or something like that. And that's what the company wants to actually acquire. And quite frankly, they couldn't care less about the product or the service that the company is offering, you know? I guess it depends on the situation, Brent, because like sometimes people are specifically acquiring a company for IP that they have or a specific set of technology that they need somewhere else, right? Yeah, so yeah. They, they're trying to take technology. I think this happened with a couple of companies in the sandbox, you know, where they bought the password manager and merged it in with this you know, cloud solution, and now it's all one big solution, stuff like that, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, that happens, right? When you're missing a piece and you go, instead of building it, you buy it because it's faster to go out and do that. Um, but then, you know, the other times where you're buying a company and then you're trying to grow it and it's like house flipping, right? They set, they buy it, they buy an asset, a property, a company, they put this three to five year window on it they try and grow the heck out of it and then they turn around and then they 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 offload it and make you know 2x 3x 5x 10x their 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 investment so you know they have a playbook right we talk about this all the time right when all of a sudden somebody takes uh, is acquired or takes investment from a big company and then like the sales happen a certain way the contracts are structured a certain way the you know like certain tactics that they use are the same and then we all you know hear the the grumbling on the right and the wrong way to do things. But uh, there is a little bit of rinse and repeat. Uh, there's no question about that, Brent. And um, if you're ever in a position where you're behind the scenes on one of these, I think you'll see what I'm talking about. They come in with literally the blueprint and the binder, and they're out there just you know installing it and, and making it happen uh, time and time again. So... The, the folks that are a lot more <laughs> versed with financing than I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, this is the way people, you know, grow and buy and sell these days. It's just a little bit different than back in the day. So Dark Cube, they were actually out in Chicago at TechCon Unplugged. Uh, looks like they actually were acquired by a name we, you know, not so familiar with in the industry. Uh, so um, looks like the founder is sticking around, Vince. Uh, so if you haven't seen these guys around, um, they've been around, you know, they've been popping up at a lot of the events recently this year and um, previous years, dark cubed, uh, another kind of cybersecurity solution out there. So check them out. Um, this one was pretty beefy. Um, so Microsoft's announced partner program changes ahead of ignite 2022. 
uh, ignites one of the what used to be in-person conferences that are now virtual. And I believe they'll be coming back to in-person in 2023. But for this year, still virtual, uh, Ignite 2022. So a lot of a uh, lot of announcements here. I'm just going to kind of breeze through them, but definitely worth going back and kind of digging into some of these. Um, so one of the big complaints about NCE was the portability of customers, right? So like, you know, once you locked in a term with an MSP, you couldn't move to another MSP or vice versa until the term of that uh, 365 agreement um, is over. Well, apparently there's some way to do it now. Um, portability of customers. I didn't dig into uh, too much of it, but uh, apparently uh, there is a way to do it now or they're announcing a way to do it. Um, there's also moving on, there's a bunch of changes happening in you know, the partner center online. Uh, this is actually the Australian CRN, but you know, same company, different region of the world. Uh, so uh, even though center is spelled a little bit differently, uh, so they're making a bunch of changes there. Um, and so you, they'll be making, looks like all this stuff's coming in October. I think Nick Hetty, uh, the CRO over at Pax8 mentioned some of these changes were coming uh, back at the exchange in August, uh, CRN exchange. So it looks like some of this stuff is kind of matching up to that, right? Well, October, um, you know, changes for referrals and deal flows, partner center changes. Um, looks like some difference in Azure plans. Um, this is what introduced reconciliation data model changes for Azure savings plans for compute. Um, so this may change how you consume Azure uh, a little bit with some of these new plans that are coming through. Um, although this one's, so says partners can only purchase plans through Azure portal now. Exclusive plans aren't available through Partner Center. All right, so like some of the stuff that doesn't even look like it's ready through distribution yet, may just be through Microsoft directly. Um, Looks like they changed, they're changing things in their marketplace. Yes, Microsoft does have a marketplace. <laughs> They've been make, trying to make it easier and easier to do business you know, with, with people who do offer their services and products through the marketplace. So some changes there um, around uh, taxing and API usage, stuff like that. Um, Microsoft Teams Rooms Pro, I haven't even delved into this particular offering, uh, but apparently they're launching Microsoft Teams Rooms Pro, $40 a month through enterprise enrollment. For education, uh, cloud service provider program, et cetera, web direct. Um, more than 60% of Fortune 500 have already chosen Microsoft Teams Room to connect employees. Um, Teams Room remains a majority, major opportunity for partners. Less than 8% of the 90 million conference rooms worldwide are video enabled. Okay. Uh, conference Room Pro includes intelligent audio video, noise suppression, bandwidth optimization, automatic to active speaker framing, touch display for multi-user. So basically, this is Microsoft's meeting room. I guess to compete with Zoom room is my guess. On uh, at forty bucks a month, uh, I guess per room. I, I guess that's what it is. Um, okay. Uh, looks like Microsoft has changed nonprofit pricing coming up here. So if you have nonprofits with three six five, looks like their pricing is going up. Um, nonprofit discounts up to seventy five percent. Changes don't affect grant-based nonprofits. Some offers include 10 licenses, three million. Blah, blah, blah. So basically what they're saying is that we've done a bunch of changes. It's time to it's time to upgrade the pricing for nonprofits like everybody else and uh, swipe the credit card. Um, here's that NCE discount that we talked about earlier, which is now comprehensive in this update. Um, so you can, you know, again, looks like it's a limited time thing, but um, there it is. 
can dig into that more. Uh, new hosted solution options, Microsoft reveals one and three year subscriptions. So Windows Server Data Center and a monthly billing option for one year software subscriptions for Microsoft Windows Server, SQL, remote desktop. So they're going subscription based on their licensing. Uh, not that they haven't done before because they mentioned SPLA, but they're going under one and three year, which matches 365 um, subscriptions for the actual installed desktop, you know, kind of versions of these. Um, looks like they changed uh, Windows Server license back for one year, decrease, that's uh, about 50 bucks or so. Uh, Windows Server 22 remote desktop licenses one year will increase. So it looks like those prices are going up and once available, Windows Server data center, um, three year and one year for data center. So it looks like they're just taking all of their, hey, you bought a product and you just wait a couple of years or until it's end or you wait till it's end of life, you move to the next one. It looks like they're all just going subscription based now on their actual installed software uh, for server stuff. So um, flexible virtualization so that software assurance and subscription license customers can use licensed software, build and install server services and run them on outsourced infrastructure dedicated or shared. So basically, these are some of the changes that they made in order for people who are outside of Azure, right? Google, AWS, mentioned Alibaba, uh, but basically gives them you know, the ability to license the software you know, in such a way that they can use that without paying double tax which is what's been happening up until this point if you're not using Azure. Okay, um, that thing that you've got highlighted there, uh, are you yeah. really telling me that Alibaba is offering infrastructure services? Oh yeah, they have been, yeah. <laughs> well, it's amazing what you get to learn when you, when you join with George Bardisi. <laughs> I mean, they are the AWS of the, uh, of the, the desert region. Uh, they okay. absolutely do infrastructure, yeah, they are definitely do infrastructure services. Bring it up, you'll see. Uh, I wouldn't recommend you go there being how your customers are probably based in the U S and they're not, but uh, unless you want your service services hosted overseas. Um, and then again, <laughs> uh, Microsoft will off, offer a license model for windows server compatible shared server outsourcing instead of my partners licensing windows server by physical core, meaning customer needs access to the physical server, uh, to cover machines, physical core, virtual core licensing will allow partners to license Windows Server by virtual core. So basically, this just makes it easier to host in a virtualized environment, which is practically every, you know, every major cloud or private hoster out there. Um, just changing the licensing model to make it easier. Uh, this will help cloud uh, providers appeal to customers with legacy Windows Server workloads, enable them to move these workloads from on-prem to the cloud. Like we haven't heard that marketing message for some time. Uh, email preferences, right? So apparently you can get granular with your email preferences in the partner center, opt in, opt out. Um, I guess that's to be expected. I think that's pretty normal. Um, additional virtualization licenses eliminated after October 1st, Microsoft will eliminate the need for an additional license to virtualize Windows 10 and Windows 11 operating systems on customer server or outsource server. Again, same thing with the server licensing, now with the desktop licensing. Just trying to incentivize people to get out of the prem and into somebody else's cloud. And again, there's your Alibaba there, Brent, again, uh, as yet another so place. Are, are you telling me that I can now take my desktop Windows 10 or 11 license and I can virtualize it? Is that what that's saying? Uh, it says we'll eliminate the need for additional license to virtualize. So I would get a little bit deeper and just double check the language, but it kind of sounds that way. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. 
no outsourcing SPL license. Okay. One of the more controversial announcements from Microsoft ahead of Ignite is the removal of services, uh, SPLA licensing, outsourcing on data centers from Amazon, Google, Alibaba, Microsoft. Customers want to use a listed provider for outsourcing can acquire license directly from provider. So basically, instead of you having to set up your own agreement with Microsoft to do licensing, you can just acquire it directly from the service provider. Okay, that kind of makes sense. It streamlines your buying. Um, partners have until September 30th, 2025 to transition from outsourced hosted to direct licensing model with their cloud providers. Traditional outsource and data center providers will benefit from this change and will help foster the hosting partner ecosystem. So basically just making it easier to buy. And then a new hoster partner program is changing all sorts of stuff here. Microsoft will introduce a program within its cloud solutions provider channel program called CSP Hoster. So that's mostly MSPs are under CSP cloud solutions provider. This replaces Microsoft's qualified multi-tenant hosted program that is meant to allow partners to pre-build hosted desktops and server services for sale to customers who need a new license or already have one. At the beginning of the hosted program, you'd be limited to direct bill partners only, but look forward to expanding program over time. Customers must have a Microsoft customer agreement with the hosted partner, proof of pre-existing licensing. Uh, partners can access a catalog of Microsoft software used to pre-build services instead of getting distinct media and keys for each customer to deploy and pre-build services. So basically they're just making it easier to do hosting uh, so you don't have to manually transact and generate license key orders one by one. Um, so this is like the new version of SPLA if you're a hosted, if you're doing hosting on your own, it sounds like. Um, Microsoft plans to retire made in India secure messaging work management application. I encourage users to adopt Microsoft Teams. Well, I don't think that applies to most people who would be on this call, but basically pushing it, you know, this, this service to Teams. Um, finally got to the end of this. In August, Microsoft announced some changes to the solutions partner and partner designation system that replaces long intern, long used gold and silver system. Microsoft will no longer offer 18 points for editorial, um, I'll no longer offer editorial review of co-branded assets, although good market toolbox will stay active. Tech giant has delayed until further notice. So basically we know that, you know, there's this new program. We've talked about it several times. You got to get the 70 out of hundred score in order to still maintain partner status with Microsoft, which requires you to take individual competencies underneath of the box in order to get there. Um, so basically this just follows the gold and silver um, are going away. So. I will stop there as that's a bunch of changes. Uh, like that was the most comprehensive list of things I found from changes coming into Ignite. But surprise, surprise, Microsoft's making announcement changes going into an event that they're running as they explain new things and what's going on. But general theme, more incentivization to go to the cloud, take on-prem assets, move them, including desktop environments, including server environments. And effectively, they're just trying to streamline buying behavior you know, to make it easier to do business with people instead of having to do multiple steps to get to the end game, um, following that Amazon style model of if it's easy, they will buy. Uh, there's some truth to that. So hopefully put a lot of good information out there into the world. Uh, we will be uh, broadcasting live from Taylor Business Group Big Big on Thursday at one o'clock Eastern time. Of course, all these sessions are online. You can always go back and grab them later, listen to them later, uh, but we will be live. Uh, in Fort Lauderdale uh, later on this week. Otherwise, stay tuned. Tuesdays and Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time, mspinitiative.com. Hopefully we'll see you in an upcoming event. Catch you guys later.
Hey, thanks, George. Bye.